0: rumble with michael moore and i am michael moore we have a great guest with us today india walton is a registered nurse from buffalo new york she's a union member and a union organizer she's a democratic socialist and she is now the democratic nominee for mayor of buffalo new york this is new york state's second largest city and she has an amazing story that we will get to shortly Let me tell you, first of all, that for the paid members of my Substack, uh, there's going to be a live Q&A with me, you and me personally, happening Tuesday, October 12th, this coming Tuesday, October 12th at 8 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's for Substack members only. If you are a a paid member, uh, you will get a, a thing on Tuesday that you can just click to the link and uh, you will join me. There will be no pre-screening of, of the questions or anything. You're just going to be on the Zoom or whatever we're using with me, and we will talk to each other, and you can ask me whatever you want to ask me or, or say whatever you want to say to me. It's I'm looking forward to this. this. is our first live Q&A for Substack members, only this coming Tuesday, October 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So I will look forward to that hour with you. Thanks to everyone also who listened to our emergency podcast with representative Ilhan Omar uh, last week and made those calls to the senators and the members of Congress, especially to senators mansion and cinema. Thank you for that. Uh, Many, many reports every day in the past week of the switchboard being flooded, the voicemail being overwhelmed. uh, People having a hard time to actually leaving a message uh, because so many of you uh, did that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thanks to everyone who has read and shared my satirical piece that I emailed you here this past Sunday, my Sunday Substack about how I think uh, we can compromise and and give mansion and cinema some of what they need, because I've learned over the years how to talk to these corporate Democrats, and I think I I think uh, if you haven't had a chance to read that, that was this past Sunday's Substack here on October third. So, if you want to receive all of my writings and all my podcasts for free in your inbox, uh, just become a free subscriber to my Substack email list. That's it. That's all it takes. Go to the link here on the uh, podcast platform page, or go to MichaelMoore.com. That's it. Just MichaelMoore.com, and up will come a thing where you can put in your email address. Just mark the free box, and boom, you're in. You're you're a member of my uh, Substack, and I will automatically email you this podcast. Uh, every week, you want to do anything, you don't have to go looking for it. It will come to you. Open your email, click, Bing, podcast begins. That's how easy and quick this is using Substack. Before we bring India Walton on, I want to explain the importance of her race. The only way that we will get change that we need in this country, and not just by defeating awful Republicans, but by defeating the three pandemics that we now face, COVID, climate, and coup. The only way we're going to defeat any of that is by removing and replacing as many corporate Democrats as possible and replacing them with working-class candidates who are not funded by or tied to the establishment. The only reason we're even talking about a $3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill that would help fund childcare and health care, education, so many other things that we need, the only reason we're talking about these things is because good people are out there running against the tired, tired, old Democratic Party that is beholden to big money. We are winning race after race. We're winning the war of ideas. We're winning over the people. because The people were already there. And it's about time, my friends, that we have more people holding office who share our values and our ideas. I mean, this is how crazy, this is how crazy it is, how, how much we're winning. We've got Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on board, pushing our agenda. This $3.5 trillion bill, Bernie wrote it, Biden backs it, and we're winning. <laughs> That's the good news. We're winning. Bernie's winning. Ilhan Rashida, AOC, uh, Representative Jayapal, Corey Bush, Ro Connor I mean, just go down the whole list. They're all winning. They've gone from being a squad of four to being now sixty progressive Democrats in the House that said we're not moving ahead unless we also are taking care of our American people in these bills. Let's face it, my friends, we have not we've not seen this. Some of us have not seen it in our lifetime. This it's a huge shift that's taking place here. You're part of that shift? Your pressure on your members of Congress, on your senators, and on these two senators, the one from West Virginia, Mr. Manchin, and the one from Arizona, Ms. cinema they are all feeling the heat because this is how the majority of the American people feel. So we need to do this at every level, federal, state, whatever, but especially the local level, which brings us to Buffalo. In June of this year, India Walton shocked the political world by defeating the four-term incumbent mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown, in the Democratic primary, and thus setting the table for her to become the favorite to win the mayoral race in Buffalo in November, because, of course, it's a heavily Democratic city. She would be the first Democratic socialist to be elected mayor of a major American city in more than half a century. And the first woman, and the first black woman, to lead New York's second-largest city. As you would expect, the political establishment in Buffalo is not taking this lightly. So, while she should coast to victory in November, because Buffalo is an overwhelmingly Democratic city, and she won the Democratic primary, she has a very difficult opponent that she's facing, the loser, Byron Brown the guy that she just defeated in the primary. He's now announced that he's still running and telling everybody, you got to write me in. He's not giving up. He's got huge money behind him. And he is now trying to get on the general election ballot as a writing candidate. My friends, let me tell you something. This is such an important race. I know you're saying, Mike, Buffalo, really? With everything that's going on, Buffalo? Yes, Buffalo is everything that's going on all the issues that we're facing across the country, COVID, policing, mass incarceration, racial discrimination, labor, the environment, gender equality, all play a significant role in this race in Buffalo. And India Walton is an amazing, thoughtful, and forceful candidate and leader that you should know about and get behind. So before we now bring her on, let me just give a shout out quickly here to our underwriters for uh, today's episode. Thank you so much express VPN. Thank you for being with us since pretty much uh, the beginning express V P N as all of, you know, using the internet without express VPN is like walking your dog in public without securing that dog on a leash. Listen, every time you connect to an encrypted network, whether you're in a cafe or a diner or a hotel airport, Your online data is not secure. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data, whether it's passwords or financial details or whatever. So I and my film crew, whenever we're making a movie, that we don't want anybody else to know, especially the bad people, (laughs) what we're up to. We use ExpressVPN when we are working on our projects. It's easy to use. It's inexpensive, and it works on all devices, whether they're phones or laptops, tablets, or more. So secure your online data today by visiting our great underwriter for this podcast, ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash Rumble. You got to put the slash and the Rumble. Please welcome to rumble. The a Democratic primary winner for the mayor's office in Buffalo, New York, India Walton. India, thank you so much for coming on Rumble today.
1: Thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. I think this is probably comparable to being interviewed by Rolling Stone. So <laughs> I'm wow. very happy to be here.
0: Oh, my God. I know that feeling. <laughs> Man, that's high praise. This is not as good as being interviewed by Rolling Stone. And if you make the cover of Rolling Stone, nothing will, nothing will top that. <laughs> but uh, but thank you for saying that. It's very kind of you. Listen, let's just jump right into it. Uh, tell your story here because none of this, the way the pundits describe our electoral system, makes any sense it, because you are not supposed to be running for office. And in fact, now it looks like you could be the next mayor mm-hmm. of Buffalo, New York, having won the Democratic primary. But I know that this has upset a lot of the hardcore old school traditional Democrats. Did I say the word white in enough ways possible? (laughs) But man, it's a new day. And India, tell us, where did you come up with the idea of running for mayor? Because I got to believe as you were doing rounds in the hospital, you know what, I should be the mayor of Buffalo.
1: (laughs) You know, it was a lot of the experiences that I've had, not only growing up as a poor person in Buffalo, not only... Seeing the dysfunction of our healthcare system and knowing that we were sending people home who were sick and were not going to get better because poverty and racism and systems that are set up for people to continuously fail. And I think I finally reached my breaking point last summer after the murder of George Floyd um, during the midst of a global pandemic. The response that came out of leadership from our city government here in Buffalo was disappointing would be a compliment, right? The protesters were ignored. Um, We watched a 75 year old man, a friend of mine named Marty Gugino be pushed to the ground, bleeding from his head.
0: That was Buffalo. Yeah, that was Buffalo. That
1: was Buffalo. And, you know, at the time I was executive director of an organization that built affordable housing. But during the pandemic, our senior citizens in our neighborhood were calling me because they didn't have food. So I'm like, where, where's the mayor in this? Um, And at the same time, I had been out in the streets. I had built up enough of a base of support to really think that I could take him on. And I knew in a certain sense that he was going to continue to ignore the cries of the people and not really put forth much effort. So what wound up happening was just that, right? The combination of groundswell around the uprisings last summer and also just his failure to respond to um, what he thought wasn't a very serious challenge allowed us to come out victorious.
0: Wow. Wow. So what, did he just take you for granted or, I mean, and, and just walk me back to the, because I think we all saw the the that horrific image of Marty being, uh, he's probably, what, 70 years old, you know?
1: Yeah, he's 75. Oh,
0: 75. Man, right away when the camera tilted down to that, to him on the ground, he was bleeding mm-hmm. from his head. And the, and the cop, the one cop stops because he's worried. You could see he's worried. Mm-hmm. And the other cop says, No, 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 forget him. Wow, that was so awful. And yet, as I remember it, the law enforcement or the prosecutor or the mayor or somebody there in Buffalo wanted to prosecute him for causing his own fall.
1: The response was awful. He was blamed for that incident. No officers were held accountable. But I'm happy to report that I saw Marty yesterday. We were both out on the picket line with our. Um, comrades and siblings from communications workers who are out on strike right now um, mm. at one of our local hospitals. So Marty is still up and alive and still standing in solidarity with people who are in the struggle.
0: So walk us back here because look, a Democrat who's the mayor of a large city like Buffalo, who's been in office for, is am I right? 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't leave at that point until they say they want to leave generally in these right. elections so how was it that that you? I mean, I read something about you were on Clubhouse one day. <laughs> this and ex, explain to anybody over fifty what Clubhouse is, but but just you were. But somehow the the, the, the genesis of this idea happens in part while you're on on Clubhouse.
1: Yeah. So um, knowing how heavily entrenched politics are in Buffalo, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get much help. Um, or even encouragement or advice about how the process worked as a first-time candidate. And um, Clubhouse is a social media platform, but it's just audio. Um, so you don't see the people you're talking to. You, they're from all over the, the country. Um, and folks go into these chat rooms around subject matter And I was in a lot of political rooms and with a lot of downstate people, you know, from New York City and the surrounding areas. And I would go in and say, listen, we need progressive politicians um, elected here in Buffalo, too. Y'all have to help me. And people, you know, that that was how I got my first little handful of small dollar donations. um, And my first little tranche of support outside of the Buffalo area was from folks on Clubhouse. And Um, Through that, I met a lot of New York City DSA folks who got me connected with folks like Tiffany Caban and Jabari Brisport, um, Farrah Forrest, you know, a lot of those um, Mm. electives down there who really provided just a lot of moral support and encouragement that, that helped me believe that I could really run as a regular person.
0: Had you decided by then to run or did the inspiration for that come out of that and other experiences you were having?
1: Um, I had I had already pretty much decided I hadn't gone public at that point yet. Um, but just having that type of camaraderie and having that encouragement and seeing people who were teachers and nurses go on to run for office and win outside of the establishment really motivated me and let me know that I could do it. But I was pretty well sold um, just Around July of last year, knowing that the mayor was vulnerable, knowing that um, Buffalo was being painted in a very bad light nationally, and just knowing that we could do we could do much better if someone was just brave enough to step out, and I figured, why not me? Wow.
0: Except the reason why not you is I'm sure you had friends and family, people who love you, say to you when you first brought up this idea, "Oh, India." <laughs> don't do this to yourself, you know, or there's no way. I mean, yeah, you're asked, you're a good person, but there's no way you're going to beat this guy who's entrenched. He's got the whole apparatus behind him. He's got the money. You must've heard that, right?
1: So, so many times. I actually um, made a promise to my mother because she's been trying to get me to leave Buffalo for a, a long time. And I told her that if I did not win the primary, that I would pack up and commit to moving With her to Phoenix City, Alabama, um, for at least a year.
0: Wow. So basically, we prevented that, uh, or those who voted for you in the uh, the primary.
1: And thank you to to each and every single person who saved me from Phoenix City, Alabama. (laughs) God, thank you. God bless you.
0: (laughs) So night and day, people told you, come on, you're a great person. Yes, you'd make a great mayor, but that live in the real world, that's not going to happen. And then it happened. How did you get through all those months leading up to the primary where you're just saying, you know, you can't not hear what people you love and respect are telling you? Uh, you know, yeah,
1: I, I just, I had too much writing on it. Um, number one, I didn't want to move to Alabama, but number two, I had, I would stepped down from my position. I worked for a nonprofit and it was in my contract that I was prohibited from seeking any elected office while I was employed. So, you know, I, um, I had to do it. And I also just have to do it because I've seen the conditions in certain parts of my city deteriorate unnecessarily. Um, so, uh, you know, we knew that we would be out fundraised. We knew that we would be outspent. But the one thing that I knew, because I have such a uh, deep ties to working folks, working class folks, that we weren't going to be outworked. Um, so from the very beginning, we were on doors, we were on phones, and you know, I brought in people with skill sets and told them, hey, look, I can't pay you, but this is going to be exciting. Um, there's a good chance that, you know, that we could win and you want to be involved in this. And people came on board and we did a really, really good job.
0: How many doors do you think you and your campaign knocked on?
1: Oh, pre-primary, we probably knocked on... 20,000 doors. Um, and since then we are up to maybe 40,000 doors, um, you know, 60,000 phone calls, hundreds Mm. of thousands of texts because, you know, we're, we're hitting people up more than one time. So, um, multiple text banks per week, um, multiple, um, canvases per week, Mm. We have other organizations who have these a Canvas or a Phone Bank, so they're not even always coming out of the campaign. Um, so the, the amount of support that we've gotten has been really incredible, and I am yeah, happy to be involved in this. We've become a part of the national conversation around what local politics could and should look like.
0: And the incumbent, I mean, he must have been loaded in terms of the campaign money or whatever. So you were up against that. You didn't have those resources, and yet you were able to knock on those doors, make those calls. And, uh, was there a debate?
1: <laughs> Funny you should ask. Um, he refused to debate me in the primary, even mm. though I had made the ballot. Even though um, I mean, my my fundraising wasn't what his was, but it was um, it was enough that it made me a legitimate contender. But he said that for him to debate me would be a dereliction of his duties as mayor. So he refused in the primary. And once I beat him in the primary and he was no longer on the ballot, he began mm. to demand it.
0: Cause, cause I assume when he lost the primary, he must've just gone, gone crazy. <laughs> it's the last thing he would have expected to happen. By the way, we're talking about the incumbent mayor, uh, Byron Brown. Is that correct? That's his name.
1: That's his name. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So here you are the day after the election, you have beaten him, mm. a political novice, how do you take it?
1: <laughs> a political novice with an all-volunteer team of political novices. Um, yeah. And how many kids? Four.
0: Okay. I, 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 and you're a single mom.
1: I'm a single mom with four children. With four
0: kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, how do you take that?
1: <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> um, he he didn't call and congratulate me. He didn't concede. We still have not had a single conversation since the primary election Um, About three or four days after, he stood with um, a handful of supporters, most of whom are employees of him, and declared that hundreds of people reached out to him and said that people should write down Byron Brown. So rather than him accepting defeat gracefully um, and providing a productive transition for the betterment of our community, he doubled down and and decided to wage a write-in campaign that right now is being heavily funded and supported by members of the Republican Party and, and some known white supremacist groups is a really weird time in Buffalo right now.
0: Wow. So he is a writing candidate in the November general election. Mm-hmm. And yes, I had read somewhere about the kind of support he was getting. And it's significant. It's not, he's not just going to go away with 150 votes.
1: He's definitely not. I no. mean, this is, this is a guy with 16 years of name recognition, you know, really, really more like 30 years because he was a state senator before that. He was a city council person before that. He's had a very long career in local politics, but he's also a person who has the potential to raise millions of dollars. And um, the political analysts locally are saying that this could be one of the most expensive mayoral campaigns in the history of Buffalo.
0: So there's a chance he could defeat you in this general election with write-in votes, if he's got enough millions of dollars uh, behind this and the, and the kind of old school apparatus of the old Democrats, plus all the Republicans Mm -hmm. who do not want to see you a democratic socialist in the mayor's chair. I mean, just lay out for us here. what, What are you facing?
1: Yeah. The, the unfortunate part about it is that this is a serious threat, right? Like, people are saying, well, writing campaigns are a long shot. And it's, well, they're a long shot, except when you're set up um, for success and you've been able to skirt the rules and not follow the rules already. And that's just the system that folks are used to playing with. Um, So for for me, it just looks like we can't stop. We can't stop trying as hard as we can. We can't stop working. We can't stop canvassing and and knocking on doors and having as many engagements with voters as... uh, as possible, But I mean, like the environment here in Buffalo, I get lots of community support, right? I walk down the street and people are blowing the horn and screaming, go India, we love you. But, you know, in certain neighborhoods, I walk and people are throwing cups of coffee at me. Um, there are some very negative and live field um, ads that are playing on a constant loop on our local television station. So, you know the, it's, it's not the most comfortable place to be in, mm. but I believe that the voters and um, the residents of Buffalo deserve something better. I think that that's what I, re- I represent. So we're just we're gonna continue to work hard and not only hope for the best, but you know use what we have learned over the course of the last year of running this type of campaign uh, to make sure that we come out victorious on November
0: 2nd. What are these uh, the kind of hateful ads? what are they what do they say?
1: Um, it's saying that I'm going to cut seven and a half million dollars from the police budget. I am too risky. I'm going to make the community unsafe. I'm going to lay off a hundred police officers. Um, there's also fear of being stoked that I'm a democratic socialist. So I'm going to seize people's private property and businesses are going to fail and flee the country. Um, and we just know that none of those things are true. And what is true is that communities do better. Everyone does better when people are less poor overall. And there are some truths about humanity that we've allowed capitalism to take away from us, like access to affordable health care, housing and quality education that we should be focusing on as a community. Buffalo being the third poorest city of its size in the country, we should be focusing on how we tackle poverty, right? And not how we use police and punishment as a way to make people um conform when we're not giving the resources necessary to keep crime down
0: tell us what your platform is tell us some of the things that uh, that you're campaigning on and that what you hope to do uh, once you are fully in office uh, in November
1: sure so our campaign we we uh, you know our our slogan is a, a safe and healthy Buffalo, but we really focus on poverty reduction and social determinants of health as a way to move our community forward, meaning that we focus on affordable housing, but in a way that's not reliant on rental units, that's really focused on closing the racial wealth and homeownership gap, using municipal resources to be able to extend mortgage financing. Um, I mean, Cleveland, Detroit, right? Oldest housing stock in the country. property mm-hmm. values yeah. that are for for a lot of folks you can't mortgage them um it's not doesn't cost enough if you don't if you don't buy it in cash then you can't get a mortgage so extending micro mortgages to folks supporting small businesses being super concerned about the environment buffalo was going to be buffalo already is a climate refuge city we've seen disasters all over the country and world where um, a very immigration friendly city, you know, where we just brought in 300 Afghan um, asylum seekers. So just making sure that we have infrastructure in place to be able to receive folks when they come and be able to support everyone in having um, a quality standard of living and not relying on putting investments at the top and waiting for them to get to the bottom. Because that just is a strategy that has not worked, um, that does not work. And we're going to do the reverse, uh, bottom up economic development. And I think that we're going to be successful.
0: So when you say that your slogan for your campaign is a safer and a healthier buffalo, you define safety uh, in a more 21st century way in the sense of uh, it's not just about cops and robbers. It, it's about if we have so many of our people living in poverty, if we have children that, that can't eat, then um, then there's a problem.
1: It is. And I mean, that also includes infrastructure, Right um buffalo has one of the worst lead poisoning childhood lead lead poisoning rates um of any other city of our size as well it's about streets um street well-lit streets and sidewalks and curb cuts and bike lanes and all of those other things as well. We have a much broader definition of public safety. And, you know, as much as the current mayor likes to brag about his support of police, crime is up <laughs> in in Buffalo, as it is many other places in the country. But five of the last six years, we've had really sky high violent rates of violent crime. And unless we get to the root causes of a lot of these incidences, then we're not going to see any decrease. We know that more money for police, the hyper militarization of our police force is not what's going to get us there. We have to make more investments in people themselves. And also, you know, have a just transition for officers who may want to phase out of that sort of warrior mentality and go into more service oriented roles where they're actually um, abiding by some of the slogans of our police departments. And that's to protect and to serve and not to police and punish.
0: So you call yourself, as you said, a democratic socialist. Why don't you explain to people what that what that means to you?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, being a democratic socialist to me means that we put people first. We put people before profit. We put planet before profit. I think coming into this race and running a democratic primary, knowing that the Democrats have been in control of Buffalo for the last 50 years, I wanted to not only be able to differentiate myself from the status quo in the establishment, but also have something about me that would be attractive um, for people to pay attention outside the Buffalo area. Um, Being a member of DSA has given me the language to speak about the very complicated values that I hold sometimes in a way that's understandable and digestible to a lot of people. And it basically boils down to we take care of poor people and working class folks. We prioritize healthy housing, health care for all, quality jobs and and workers' rights, uh, solidarity, economies, and that we just are are caregivers of our communities.
0: And you said all these things when you ran in the primary.
1: I did. I don't think that people paid much attention to it. Um, (laughs) Uh I, I think that what we saw was there were folks who were appreciative that I came to their neighborhoods and knocked on their door and asked them what their experience had been and what they thought. And then we also saw people who just thought that Brown was a shoo-in, so they stayed home. And that combination is what allowed us to win. But now, you know, we have audience, we have a platform, and we're beginning to have more of these conversations. And people are saying, you know, it doesn't matter what they call you, I believe in the same thing that you believe in. And I see that they're trying to make me afraid.
0: Right. And everything I've read about your race is is the former mayor, still the mayor, but the uh, the incumbent who lost to you, has every intention of crushing you, as do the, uh, the old school Democrats up there. And the way that they, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was running in New York City, they knew that they better pay some attention. Some of them knew that. They didn't really pay attention. She won, mm-hmm. uh, defeated a longtime party leader. In Congress. And then uh, same thing happened with Jamal in the Bronx, won for Congress uh, over a long, long time Democrat, been in Congress for probably 20 plus years. This happens and it's happening more and more. As you said, teachers are running, nurses are running, people are running and and they're winning. But, but now that they've gotten their wake up call, everything I've seen is they are raising money. They are doing whatever they can, as you said, these TV ads, to stop you, to crush you, to not let this happen. It's so important that uh, somebody who believes in the things that you believe in and the way you believe in them, not get elected in the general election uh, in November. The people who are listening to this, what can we do, especially those of us who don't live in Buffalo or the Buffalo area, uh, what can we do to help you? Um, Because I personally think that your success And and the success isn't here yet until the November election. Mm -hmm. But your success will be a beacon of hope and inspiration to all those other nurses and teachers and and, and, and people who are not big, famous political names, but are just good people, hard workers, decent, standing for all the right things. Mm -hmm. If you succeed, I think a lot of people are going to think they could succeed. That's why, to me, it's very important that that you do succeed, that, that they not crush you, uh, come November, what can we do to help?
1: Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, here, here you say those words, they're trying to crush you, right. Just sent a sort of a visceral reaction through me. Cause not only is he trying to defeat me, but I mean, he, they are trying to crush me, right. Like going after my oh, yeah. personal character, like this is mm-hmm. something. And I think a lot of evenings, like, I haven't done anything wrong, right? Like they're trying to make it seem like I'm the one who was criminal. I'm the one who's cheated. I did everything on the up and up. I won fair and square and what's happening to me is just not fair, but you know, this is politics and this is what we got into. But I do agree that I hope that this will inspire someone to step out and have the courage to do it and know that all over the country, we are coming together to support one another and we don't have to feel alone in our pursuit for justice and equity. And, you know, folks can go to our website um, at www.indiawalton.com. There they can donate. They can sign up to volunteer. We're phone banking from all over the country. You just log into the Zoom and you're good to go. Um, but if folks are in Cleveland and want to travel up the 90 or folks are, on one of, are in Detroit and want to come over to Queen Elizabeth Bridge, you can get back into the States now. Um, you know, I would say come lend, lend a helping hand. We need your Time, talent and treasure to make sure that we make it over the finish line and bring home a very convincing win in November so that there will be no doubt about um, that Rust Belt cities also want progress, that working class folks in union towns are tired of being poor and taken advantage of from large corporations and that we're going to start doing things differently and we can win in electoral politics as well.
0: So give that address again if people want to go online uh, to help you.
1: Sure. It's www. That IndiaWalton.com.
0: And India Walton is spelled just as it sounds. Well, that's easy. And then people can contribute to you also through that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What do the campaign fin- finance laws say about um, w- what they can contribute and how to contribute?
1: Yes. Um, the individual contribution limits for New York State for a race of this size are $7,797.60. And the contribution for LLCs, corporations, or PACs is five thousand dollars.
0: Okay, so that was that's my first big question. How can we help you? Because it's it is very important to me in terms of not just for you and not just for Buffalo, but I think that if people go to your website, if they they go and listen, look at the videos, the things, uh, the interview you did with Al Sharpton a week or so ago, it's it's so powerful what you've done, what you were already doing for the people of Buffalo. That you described in this one interview—that your first baby—you had your first baby at 14 years old.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, 14-year-olds—I'm um, uh, uh, I'm not encouraging 14-year-olds to have babies, but 14-year-olds are told when they find themselves in that situation, "Well, that's the end of that. That's the end of you." Yep. And just describe to me how you—you you had this this baby that you loved and love to this day. And to be in high school, to, be, to be, go back to that time, you rose up.
1: Yeah. And I, I fight so hard for people because I know what I've been through and where I've come from. And I don't believe that my story should be the exception. I think that all people deserve an opportunity. And I don't think that making you know one questionable decision should mean the end to your life. We all grow. Life is a learning process and we should allow people the space and the grace to be able to do that, but also the support to make decisions, you know, and not feel caught in a system where you end up a statistic.
0: Right. And so you went on through your teenage years and into your 20s and 30s and decided to get involved, Mm -hmm. to not sit back, to have your voice heard. It's very powerful. Thank you. So I guess then the second half of the question is, for the people listening, what would you say to somebody who's listening to you right now and they live in Milwaukee, they live in Kansas City,
1: mm-hmm. they
0: live in, what's that city that you almost had to move to?
1: Phoenix City, Alabama.
0: Phoenix City, <laughs> Alabama. What would you say to the people who are listening to you right now in you know, all these other cities and they're thinking, yeah, you know, I have thought about that. I should run for state representative or, you know, why don't I run for uh, city commission or city council? or mm-hmm. And then right away, there's a voice that comes into all of our heads that goes, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Mike. Uh, You don't need the trouble. You don't need the hassle. Look at those commercials they're running on India. But somehow you were able to kind of leap over that. And I'm just curious, for the people who are thinking about this, because we need other people to run this year and next year. What do you have to say to them?
1: I would say to envision the world you want to live in and then pursue it. I think the most important thing for me was having people, right? Like I, I know that I didn't know everything, but I could find someone who could help me figure it out. Um, and that's, I think the number one way that we begin to win um, for For people who are on this this side of the fight, is by finding our people, getting our people together, and keeping them together. And then you make a really strategic plan and you execute it. Look up the the last four um, elections for the office you're running in. Find how much money that campaign raised and then go help someone go find someone that can help you raise money and i know that we want to pretend um like just knocking doors is enough but you need both you need a strong field campaign you need a strong fundraising strategy you need paid media like we have to couple um deep relationship building and organizing along with traditional methods of winning campaigns, because we're going to have to continue to appeal to the broader electorate as well. So I think like find your people and just don't be afraid. Right. Like um, I've always maintained that unless someone is going to literally kill me, there's nothing that's going to stop me from pursuing what I believe is right Um, I have friends out of Oakland, California, who are members of an organization called Movement Generation. And they have a saying that says, if it's the right thing to do, we have every right to do it. Um, We can't wait any longer. We've waited for corporate Democrats to serve our needs, and they have not done that. So we have to put our own people in place.
0: So if you just heard all of that, and you live in whatever city or town you live in, and you've thought about doing this, uh, as India said, the first thing is just... Just sit down for a second. Some have some quiet time. Think about what your vision is for your town, your your district, whatever it is, and then start putting some people together. And don't ignore don't ignore the fundraising part of this that has to happen. Those of us, all of us, we've all known how to make a lot happen with very little. Mm-hmm. I've had that experience, and I've learned to just smile and thank people who are who love me, uh, who mm-hmm. say that this is a crazy idea. Uh, if you don't think it's a crazy idea, it may not be a crazy idea. I, I think everything you just said in terms of uh, of how to organize the field campaign, organize the fundraising, put your vision together—you know—it's the things you believe in, it and you got to trust that the majority of people actually believe more in the way you believe mm-hmm. than the way the old, the old fifteen-year incumbent has been thinking. You know, he's he's long left the people, and his had to do, what he's had to do, what he felt like he had to do. But once the sellout happens, once the compromises begin, the corruption sets in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, see, you know that. And I think you're right. I think the people in Buffalo have just had it. And they got lucky that there was an alternative in you right? that could speak to the way they want Buffalo to be. I mean, come on. You already live in Buffalo. Why should you? <laughs> why should <laughs> I don't mean this the wrong way but i know i'm just saying i'm being you know from flint or if you're from detroit we already we already live that we get it okay we didn't ask to be born here we were born here okay we're gonna make the best of it and we're gonna make sure everybody here gets to go to a decent school has food on the table a roof over their head a job a decent job and a life for our kids that's right so are any of your kids helping you in this uh campaign uh the uh uh, the oldest one must be what? Wow, geez, in his twenties
1: by now. He's twenty-four. Twenty-four. Um,
0: oh my goodness.
1: He's he's twenty-four, and he he does help quite a bit. I actually have three children who are of voting age. I have a twenty-four-year-old, and I have twins who are nineteen. Um, but my ah. my biggest supporter and the person who works the hardest on the campaign is my youngest, Mason. He'll be twelve on the fifteenth, so um, <laughs> he's waiting patiently for the campaign to come to an end so he can have his mom back, but he's been, he's, he's been great. Well,
0: it's all very inspiring. And, uh, I hope this has helped a little bit. I hope that those of you who are listening, if you can contribute to this, you know, it's, we don't have many large cities that have someone like India who are going to be running them with her politics, uh, her values and her courage uh, to stand up, for these things that we know we listen we know, we talk about this enough on this podcast the, the window is closing mm-hmm. we don't have much time and we can't mess around anymore so india i just i'm just so grateful uh, to you for doing this i'm so happy boy when i heard the the next day that you had won uh, the primary <laughs> <laughs> i just thought that's the world i want to live in and it can happen i know it can happen and it, and it is that it is that beloved teacher that should be running in your mm-hmm. town that wonderful nurse that union leader who organizes uh the garbage workers in your town right that's who i want making these decisions cuz i know they're going to put the people first and and not the not the corporate entities not the people getting the rich getting their tax breaks and you know and all that stuff so any final words that you'd like to share um, with uh, the people who are listening today?
1: I just really want to thank you for this opportunity and thank you for the work that you do, making sure that the stories that are most important are told. So thanks thanks a lot for well, having me Well, thank everyone.
0: you. Well, everybody, let's let's make sure we in, uh, contribute to India's uh, campaign at, uh, it's just IndiaWalton.com, right? That's right. And if you live in the Buffalo of your state, think about running next year. It is possible. You can win. And we need you to win. We need a different society. And in the in the so-called people who represent us actually end up representing us. India Walton, uh, hopefully soon to be mayor of Buffalo, New York, winner of the Democratic primary in June, the general election coming up uh, in November. If you live there, be sure to vote. And uh, we'll have you back on uh, when I can officially address you uh, as uh, mayor of, uh, of Buffalo, New York.
1: Can't wait.
0: <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, be well. Good luck. Let me know if there's anything else we can do to help.
1: All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great night. All right. Take
0: care. Well, wow, that was great. Thanks. Uh, thank you again, India. And thanks to everybody who's listening to this. And remember, this coming Tuesday night, Tuesday, October 12th, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific, um, I'm going to do a live Q&A with all of you who've signed up to be paid members of, of Substack. This is one of these, you know, you get a couple little perks if if you want to help support us in our work by making a contribution to it. And in return, each month, I'm, I will do a live uh, Q&A with you. And also, we're going to have a Mike's Movie Night again coming up uh, here in another month or two. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that. But that's what you get if you go to our Substack site here at michaelmoore.com and say that you want to be a supporter. We're grateful for that, but you don't have to be because everybody gets all the writings, all the weekly letters, the podcasts, all that stuff is free, and will continue to be free. So thank you for everybody who is a free subscriber here to my Substack and to this podcast. You may be a subscriber to the podcast, but you haven't signed up on the Substack. So go to the Substack and sign up for that, and then you'll get a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but believe me, I do not flood your, uh, your inbox every day with five, five things a day you know you'll hear from me once or twice a week uh, probably at most uh, so um, um please do that that's it everybody for uh, today's uh, rumble with michael moore my thanks donald bornstein thanks to nick quaz thanks to harrison malkin thanks to uh, my family and everybody who gives me a hand in this it's so much appreciated and i uh, will see you next week here on rumble uh, I'll see some of you at the live Q&A with me on t- Tuesday night and I'll have a new uh, Substack uh, offering for you free to all uh, this uh, this coming Sunday. Be well everybody. Hang in there. There's lots of work to do, I know, but uh, but we can do it. We are the majority. I'm grateful to be able to do this with you. Thanks everybody. This is Michael Moore. This is Rumble. <laughs>
1: And arrival fighting for survival Driven from the mainland to the heart of the Caribbean